Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a series of programs on the book of Hebrews, the subject of faith, the subject of Hebrews chapter 11, and today's program is a continuation of the previous broadcast. Now, in the previous broadcast, I was explaining that people are very concerned with their hope. They are very concerned about what they have hope in. And in many cases, people's faith has to do with their faith in their hope. In other words, people hope for things, and then they try to believe that these things will actually come to pass. First, they have a hope concerning maybe their family, that perhaps some members of their family will change, or perhaps the relationships that they have with other people will improve. And then they just believe that their hope will eventually be realized, that somehow God will intervene and make this real. Some people have hope that their health will improve. And as I explained in the previous broadcast, sometimes people's health will improve, but sometimes it does not. But people believe that if they just have enough faith that it will, faith in their hope, then they believe that because they have such great hope or such great faith in this hope, that God will intervene and he will make sure that you recover from whatever your health problems are. But right now I'd like to continue with another thing that people have hope in, and that is wealth. Many people have hope that they will increase in their wealth, that they will experience an increase in their wealth, that they will have some prosperity in their lives. There are a lot of people who do have this hope. This is inspired by many teachers. Many pastors inspire this by explaining that if you want to experience health, wealth, and prosperity, if you want to experience better health, more wealth, and greater prosperity, if this is something that you want, then first you need to recognize that you have a hope that this will increase in your life. And then just simply believe that this hope will eventually be realized. And if you will just believe, if you will just trust, then your faith, the measure of your faith that you put into it, if it's strong enough, if it's great enough, then God will respond, he will intervene, and he will ensure that you will have an increase in wealth and prosperity. This is a very popular teaching. There are a lot of people who really do believe this, that that is what their faith is truly about. Their faith is nothing more than their own personal trust in their ability to believe that their hope will eventually be realized. But that's not necessarily real. I mean, certainly there are circumstances that people experience in life in which they may experience an increase in wealth. They may experience an increase in prosperity. Sometimes people believe in God and they experience this. Many times people don't believe in God and they experience this. 
But there is a very popular teaching that if you will obey and repent, and if you will just simply believe the promises of God, that he wants to make this real in your life, if you will only do that, then eventually he will. But what happens when this doesn't happen? Well, what happens normally is that people call me. This is very common. People will then call me or they'll send me an email because they're not having an increase in their health, wealth, and prosperity, and the people who have been teaching them that they would all these years are either not accessible or they don't have anything new to say, or they're just simply accusing the individual of not having enough faith in their hope that eventually this will be realized. Well, that doesn't help very much, because a lot of people are very sincere. They are very hopeful, and they truly trust in their hope, and they are trusting in this belief. But when it doesn't happen... What do they do? Well, they often call me, as I suggested, and what is this conversation going to sound like? What happens when people call me? Well, this is very common, and I can tell you how this normally goes. Normally, I ask people, how are you doing? Are you experiencing what you thought you would experience? And people say, no, I'm definitely not. And so I'll often just get right to the point and ask them, have you been thinking that perhaps you've got the wrong God? And people will normally pause for just a moment, and then they will reply with, Yes, that's what I've been thinking. I've been thinking that maybe I've got the wrong God. And it normally continues like this. People will then say that they have all these unbelieving friends. They've got all these people who live like total absolute pagans, who totally reject Jesus, and yet they're doing fine. They seem to be prospering just fine. And yet this person who believes in the Lord Jesus as their Savior, as their Messiah, they believe in the living God, They're experiencing a great deal of pain and suffering and loss. They perhaps are losing their home. They've lost their job. They've lost their spouse. They lose their house, their mouse. They lose everything. And they don't know what's going on because there's all these unbelievers who are experiencing all this prosperity and wealth and increase in health and everything. And they are not. And they want to know why. And it's reasonable to ask, have you been thinking maybe you've got the wrong God? And it's reasonable to be thinking that. That maybe these unbelievers have got the right God. Maybe I need to be worshiping the God that these unbelievers are believing in. And that certainly is not what I mean by that. What I mean by that is that the God who you believe in may not be a real God. That doesn't mean you need to go and worship the devil now. What it means is that the one that you have been believing in does not exist. That it is a total fantasy. It is a total figment of somebody else's imagination, if not yours. That the God who you have been believing in is not real. Now, that doesn't mean that the God of the Scriptures is not real. That just means that your understanding of who the God of the Scriptures is, is not real. That there is a God of the Scriptures. That there is a God who has created all things. That he did manifest in the flesh and dwell among us as the Lord Jesus. That he did speak to us. He walked with us. He talked with us. He ate with us. He lived with us. He worked with us. He was a part of a family. He was here. He is here now. And this God is an active participant in the lives of all people who are here on earth. He is actively involved, but it doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to ensure that everyone experiences an abundance of blessings and that he is obligated to make sure that this happens, especially for those who believe in him. That's not something that is going to be realized in everybody's life. Certainly there are times when he does intervene in a very wonderful way, But there are other times when he does not. And you must trust that he knows what he's doing. You have to believe that. And you have to be thankful for that. 
And so that's how these conversations generally start. And I end up moving people in the direction of considering that maybe it is their understanding of their God that needs to be adjusted a little bit. Your hope and your faith is not what makes reality. There are a lot of people who do believe that, unfortunately, though, and what they believe is is that if they fail to continue to hope, then in reality their faith fails. And unfortunately that is very threatening because people don't often want to just start over. Start over from the beginning and reconsider who their God is, what is he doing, why is he doing it, and more importantly, what do we already have because of what he has done, what has he already given to us, not what do we pursue that may be separate from what we have already received in the inheritance that has been given to us in Christ Jesus. But in Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 1, it is written, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. There is an assurance that people are looking for, and they go into the scriptures, like I was explaining earlier, looking for proof texts, or they're looking for verses in the scriptures that suggest that these things are actually going to transpire if they just simply have hope that they will transpire and believe that they will, that that becomes the assurance. However, I do believe that this is often a significant misunderstanding of what is written, and I won't be getting into that in these programs. I won't be talking about the verses that people address. I'm only mentioning the existence of a misunderstanding that I think should be evident, that I think should be quite obvious through the lack of reality that corresponds to these interpretations that people have. I think that if you recognize that things just don't always work out that way, that should be an indication that things are not always going to work out that way. And because of that, this assurance is quite unstable, that you have no assurance concerning those things. Instead, this is what I want to talk about, and that is that I believe that first people encounter the true and living God. And when they encounter him, they discover the truths that he reveals. And this happens when it comes to the subject of salvation. This happens when it comes to the subjects of law and grace. And how do we live our daily lives now? There are many things that people deal with. There are many things that people go through when it comes to the truth that is revealed to them at any given time by the living God or through the testimony that has been given to us in the scriptures. However, the truth in and of itself is not enough. You must respond to the truth that is revealed to you. In other words, the Lord will tell us something. He says something to us. He says things like, you have been forgiven. He says things like, you have been saved through the indwelling presence of his spirit, through the resurrection that we experience when he indwells us through salvation. We believe this truth, and then we respond to that truth by then living our daily lives, making choices and decisions on the basis of the truth that has been revealed to us. And that's how I define faith. That faith to me is first recognizing the truth that has been revealed. And the truth that has been revealed is something that we can definitely hope in. We can trust and believe that what he has said is true, and then we respond to that truth. So I believe that faith is the response to the truth that has been revealed. It is when we respond to that that we are expressing or exercising our faith. And this can be expressed in various ways, but I do believe that the predominant way that a person's faith is expressed is in daily life when you are confronted 
with things in your life and when you make decisions and choices in your life experience. When you are confronted with the temptations to sin, for example, and you choose not to. When you are confronted with certain circumstances where you can respond in certain ways and you choose to respond in one way versus another way, then that is a choice that you make and you make these choices on the basis of what has been revealed to you. And so it's when we respond. It's when we do things. It's when we don't do things. It's when we make choices. It's when you live. It's when you live that your faith is manifested. It's not something that you just simply have that's sitting there within you. It is something that's real when it is expressed through the choices and the decisions that you make in your daily life. For example, I could certainly make many decisions. I could make many choices concerning the kinds of things that I would do for a living. I could make choices and decisions concerning the things that I would purchase. I can make choices and decisions concerning the things that I will do with my time. And these are things that I choose to do or not do that are a reflection of what I believe about my God, about how I trust my God or how I do not trust my God or how I live in accordance with what he has revealed to me. This is an expression of faith, and of course I'm speaking about this in very general terms, because unfortunately everybody's life is different. I mean, I can testify to you about the things that I've chosen to do and the things that I've chosen not to do, but this is truly a personal experience, and I do believe that if you will just simply take some time to think about your day, maybe think about yesterday or a couple of days ago, and think about the kinds of choices that you were confronted with, that you would have the option of making choices, that you would have the option of responding in one way or another concerning the circumstances of life, and think about the decisions you've made, and think about how they correspond to your beliefs, whether you believe in your God or not, or whether you believe that certain values are real or they are not, or whether you believe that people should respond in other ways and how you should respond to them if they don't respond in the way that you think that they should respond. These are things that people do all the time, and everything in life is a reflection of what people believe. Everything is a reflection of what people hope for. Everything is a reflection of people's faith. And that's what I want you to understand right now, is that the entirety of life here and now, the entirety of everyone who you encounter, everyone who is around you, or everyone who makes decisions that affect your life, everything that everybody does, everything that everybody chooses to do or not do, is a reflection of, first of all, what kind of hopes they have, what they have hope in concerning the future. It is a reflection of what they believe and trust concerning these hopes. It is a reflection of their faith. Everything, therefore, has to do with what people believe and whether they are going to truly trust and believe what they believe. If people believe things that are not true, then the decisions that they make, the choices that they make, will be a reflection of that. And that will certainly lead to a lot of pain and suffering in people's lives. But if what they do believe is true, then I sincerely believe that our God will be manifested within and through that person. That the faith that they have will be a testimony of their God. And so that's why belief is so important. What people truly believe is of importance. Not whether or not people have faith. 
but it is what they have faith in that is of importance. What people have faith in is what defines everything. And so that's why it's so important, first, to identify what you believe, and then second, determine that you are going to truly trust in your God according to what you believe is true. So first there is the belief, then there is the trust in that belief, there is the dependency on that belief, and when you make choices, when you make decisions, then your response through your choices and decisions is the expression of your faith in that belief. And if this is true, then it is an assurance by your God that this will be manifested in a way that he would desire. Now, in the end, this is what happens. What happens is that people live in one way or another way. There are two ways that people can then live. One way is to live according to what God has revealed, to what is true. And what I mean by that is what he has truly revealed, because like I said, there are a lot of disagreements concerning this. People certainly don't agree with me. I don't agree with them. There are lots of people who don't agree with you, and you don't agree with other people as well. But regardless of what I believe, or you believe, or they believe, there is still something that God believes, and that is what is of importance. What is important is not necessarily what I believe or you believe. What is important is what he thinks about these things. And when you consider that, if what you believe does actually correspond to what he has said is true, if that does correspond, if that is valid, then sure enough, your trusting and believing in that truth and your responding to that truth will then be an opportunity to testify that your God is real. And that is Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 and the people who are spoken of, who are spoken of in the context of faith and their faith and how their faith was manifested and that they were people of faith had to do with the fact that they testified of their God because they had faith in something, in somebody who was true. They had faith in the truth that had been revealed to them. They responded to that truth and made choices and decisions in their lives that were a reflection of that. And through that, they then testified of their God. They lived as a testimony of their God. And then the other category is the people who do not live as a testimony of their God. As an example, the people who may contact me and ask me why it is that God is not fulfilling their desires and why he is not fulfilling their hopes and dreams and why he is not providing them with all the health, wealth, and prosperity that they desire, they are testifying of a God who does not exist. But those who will believe the truth testify of a God who does exist. So there are people who do not testify the living God, either because of their errors, either because of the things that they believe about their God that are not true, or it could simply be that they do not believe in a God at all. They may reject the existence of God or anything that might have to do with him, and as a result, they certainly testify in that way as well. But this is the point, and that is that your faith is not about your faith. It's not about that. It's about the fact that you testify of the true and living God, that your life then becomes a testimony. I'm not referring to the fact that you can then go around and say, you see, I believe in him, I believe in him, and my life is a reflection of that. That is not what I'm referring to. What I'm referring to is the fact that as you live 
he will be testified of, that you don't need to verbally announce that to people. People will see him for who he is, regardless of whether you openly, verbally, vocally testify of him or not. Trust me, people are more concerned about what you do not say and how you live than what you do say and how you do live. People are more concerned about the reality that is truly manifested within and through you, through your heart as you live your daily lives, because you can certainly fool some people some of the time, but eventually, people are eventually going to discover just how much pride you are full of and how much error you have within you and how much sin you truly have in your life and how much the love of God is certainly not in you. But that's not the issue. The issue is simply that we first testify of him. And when I go through Hebrews chapter 11 and speak of the people of faith, that's the first thing that I'm going to be pointing out, and that is how they testified of the true and living God. And then the second thing is the fact that he then testifies of them. First we testify of him, and through our testimony of him, He will then acknowledge our testimony and he will testify of us that we are people who believe and trust in him versus those people who do not believe and trust in him. He's not going to testify in the sense that you are awesome or that you are special or that you are unique in the sense that you in and of yourself are of value. That's not what he's referring to. What he's referring to, or what he's going to refer to as I continue to read into Hebrews chapter 11, you'll see where the Lord testifies of people, but his testimony is that these are people who believe his testimony. And that is a mutual acknowledgement of an existing relationship between a person and their God. And that is the full realization of a person's faith. It is the means by which a person enters into a personal relationship with their God and sustains their personal relationship with their God. In Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 1, it is written, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the men of old gained approval. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous, God testifying about his gifts. And through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. That's what I was referring to in verse 4. This is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, that through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous, God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. He testified of his God through how he responded to the circumstances of his life, and God then testified of him through the circumstances of his life as well. So there's a mutual experience of us testifying of our God, our God testifying of us, and through that there is an acknowledgement of a relationship between two individuals who acknowledge the existence of each other, who acknowledge the beliefs of each other, and who acknowledge that each trusts in each other in their own respects, that we trust in our God and that he trusts in us concerning our belief in him. And that becomes a mutual encounter 
between a creator and his creation. And when this happens, I truly believe that the intent of our God in creating this world and all who dwell in it is finally realized as he then begins to have a relationship with an individual who has a relationship with him because they want to. And I know of no other way that he could accomplish that than what he has done through the Lord Jesus. But instead of this being the real issue of the Creator and His creation being united as one to testify of each other, to know of each other, and to respond to each other, instead of experiencing a relationship with each other, people are instead consumed, totally consumed with issues of this world. They are totally preoccupied with whether or not they're going to be able to get God to give them what they want whether or not they're going to be able to get God to respond, whether or not they're going to be able to get the things that are available to them in this world, whether or not they're going to have an improvement in their health, or whether or not they're going to have an improvement in their wealth and prosperity. And again, I do certainly believe that our God can intervene concerning these matters, but unfortunately, this is the faith of many people. This is the purpose of their faith. It is to obtain blessings so that they can experience greater prosperity, greater wealth, greater indulgence in their flesh. That people are more concerned with themselves than they are concerned with knowing their God. That they are more concerned with the testimony of their faith than they are concerned about the testimony of their God. This is a serious problem that we face in Christianity today. And I say it's a serious problem Not so much because I'm concerned with people who want to believe lies, who want to believe things that are not true. Not because of that, but because of the incredible numbers of people who witness others who are more concerned with their flesh than they are with their God, and they choose to reject their God because they believe that that's what God is supposedly about. They are listening to, they are paying attention to, they are experiencing the witness and the testimony of many people who are more concerned about their flesh than they are about their God. And because of that, there are people who reject the Lord Jesus. It is because of that that people reject the gospel. People turn away from the living God because of these sorts of testimonies. They, of course, will be responsible for that. I'm not suggesting that Christians or people who esteem to be Christians are the ones who are responsible. I'm just saying that this is definitely a side effect that is very real and we do need to be aware of. And I will continue in the next broadcast. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. There can be-